0: Hey, everybody, welcome or welcome back to the Fuel Church podcast. We're so excited that you're joining us today. We want to thank all of you that give generously to this ministry. It's because of your giving that this ministry is possible. To give, you can visit us at thefuelchurch.com. We hope this message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, hey, let's jump into the message today. We're in part four, our last message in a series we've titled Mind Monsters. I don't know about any of you, but this series has been helping me. Maybe God had me preach it for me and he just let you sit in on it. I don't know, but uh, we're in part four and our main thought is this, if we can change our thinking, we can change our lives. If 2021 is gonna be different, than last year, the year before that, we we have to change what's up here, right up here. Um, Because we have between 50 and 70,000 thoughts bombarding our minds every single day. And we know that most of the battles in life, most of them are won or lost right up here in the mind. And so we must learn to do what we Uh, what Paul said, we must take those thoughts captive. We, We must separate the lies from the truth, right? Because it's always God's truth about you versus Satan's lies to you. And if we're gonna live a positive life, we must learn to identify our negative thinking. But not only identify it, do something about it. If, if we want change this year, we gotta change our thinking. So we've been looking at the Apostle Paul and I love his writings. He wrote 13 letters, 13 books in the Bible. And uh, very interesting, That out of the 13, um, four of the books he wrote from a Roman prison. Think about this, locked up, chained up, shackled hands and feet. He's writing letters to the churches that he had just planted. And uh, he's locked up for one reason and one reason only. Did he commit a crime? Did he murder someone? Did he steal something? No, he's locked up for preaching the good news of the gospel. Hmm? Think about it. His words are so uplifting, encouraging. His words are so positive. Why, Paul? You're, you're in prison, you're being persecuted for preaching the good news. Why are you so encouraging? Maybe, just, make, just go with me real quick. Maybe they had some good room service where he was at. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he was getting shrimp and steak and, you know, uh, uh, maybe they had a spa in the prison back then. And he's just like, I'm so excited to be in prison. This is awesome. I'm doing a spa day today. It's a great day. Uh, maybe they just treated him amazing. Or maybe Paul discovered the secret for living. The secret for living. Maybe he's speaking to us today. Although written thousands of years ago, maybe he's speaking to us that no matter your circumstances, no matter the disappointments, no matter the letdowns in life, you can still win the battle of the mind. If Paul can win the battle locked up in a Roman prison, right up here, you and I can win this battle. And he gives us so many truths to grab onto. He gives us so so much uh, of his life and the vulnerability and, and and the struggles that he went through. And that's, I love Paul. He's my favorite writer in the book because I just love how real he is with his struggles, but yet he doesn't stay there. He does something about it. He grows through it. And that's really what we're all called to do as followers of Jesus, as disciples, that word disciple means a disciplined one. We're called to a life of discipline to become more like Jesus on this journey, not less like him. We don't conform to culture and society and move further away from Jesus. No, we become more like him as we follow him. He's our example. It's not a pastor, it's not a church. As much as you follow churches and pastors, that's great, but your example should be Jesus. And so, um, what a powerful thing that he wrote in Philippians 4, and that's where we're going to spend our time today. And I wanna look at this passage, Philippians 4, 6, and 9. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And look at verse seven, and the peace of God, hmm, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatsoever is true whatsoever is noble, whatsoever is right, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Whatever you've learned or received from me, Paul says, or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I love that. So Paul's talking about our thought life. Paul's talking about when we learn to manage our thoughts, we then discover God's peace. God's, I don't know if we ever needed a time where we need the peace of God. With everything going on in culture, and our world, we need the peace of God. So today, I wanna bring you a message titled, Peace Out. Come on, go ahead. In your living room, in your car, at the job, just pound it. Peace out. Peace out. Look at your neighbor and say, peace out. Peace out. Um, This is a slang term we use, peace out, and it means goodbye. It means I'm going in peace or I'm choosing peace. Come on, you ever ever see the movies and there's something, there's a fight going on, there's something and they're just like, peace out, I'm out. I ain't got time for this, you know? And that's really the slang term, peace out. It's saying that I'm choosing peace rather than arguing and fighting and hurting each other with words. I'm going to go in peace. I'm going to go in peace. Um, Question for you today. How many of you would say that you occasionally or maybe even often have runaway thoughts that lead to worry, anxiety, and stress. I got my hand up, runaway thoughts. This is the opposite of peace, anxiety, stress, worry. It's the opposite of the peace of God. I'm talking about like a, you, you have this small thought, one little small seed of a thought that can just put you in a tailspin. Like it's not even anything big. It's so small and minute, but it it hits your mind. And all of a sudden, it's like a seed. You pour water on it. It begins to grow. It pokes through the soil. It has a a bloom on it, whatever. And you're like, whoa. Hmm? One small thought. One small toxic thought. Creating an internal, internal reality that isn't true. Like the thought starts, like the snowball rolling down the snowy hill and it gets bigger and bigger as it rolls. It's something that isn't even a big deal but becomes one real quick and takes you on a thought journey that becomes more toxic as you go. Um, Example. Um, Tuesdays are my day to put together my message, right? And so I'm kind of locked away in a moment of prayer and just, just seeking God. God, what do you want me to say? I could say a whole lot from this book. I mean, I, there, we don't ever run out of material. It, it, it's what, what is God saying uh, through me to the church. And so I take that Tuesday to put that together. Weeks leading up, I'm prepping, get, gathering content you know, for whatever series I'm in, but that Tuesday is the day and I have a routine. I have a routine. I, I go into a moment of prayer. I go into my devotionals. Uh, I'm reading three or four books. I'll read parts of that. And then um, I'm praying, God, what do you want me to speak today? And sometimes it's super clear Sometimes it's, it's super clear and I get really excited when it's super clear. I know where he's taking us. I know what he's, it's just flowing. Like it's, it, it, it's easy, but other times it's really hard uh, and it's frustrating and sometimes discouraging uh, because I don't have clear direction on where to go. So the thoughts come and this happened like through, right before I was starting this series. Isn't it amazing? Series on the mind. And this happened before I preached the first message, the Tuesday before the first message. I had this thought, you don't have anything to say. And it was just that thought that I allowed to stay up here. And I didn't take it captive. And so the next thought is, you're going to get up there and look stupid. You're going to sound stupid. Here, here we are at the beginning of a new year. People need to hear from God. You, you, you don't. You don't have nothing to say to them. And then I keep entertaining it. And then what happens? The past hurt, hurtful comments start to come up. The things people said about me, the things people said about my preaching. And, I, and, the, and, the, and boom, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, and now I'm, I'm in a worry. Now I've got myself in a worry and I'm thinking I'm not qualified. I'm not enough. I'm not the man for the job. Who else can preach this Sunday? All because of one little small toxic thought. It robbed me of my peace. So then what do I do? And I close off, I close off. I could vent to some other people, especially my wife. I could be short with people, right? All because of one small negative thought that I allowed to run in my mind to rob me of the peace. I allowed anxiety, stress, and worry to be my dominant thought. And I did not allow the peace of God to lead me. And so we all have things in our life. I mean, maybe you're a student out there and you're worried about your grades and it all starts with one small thought. Oh my gosh, if I don't get good grades. If, if I can't pass this exam, uh, I won't get into the college I want to. And if I don't get into the college I want to, then I won't get that degree. And if I don't get that degree, I'll never work at that company that I've always dreamed of. And if I never work at that company, I'll never meet my spouse and we'll never get married. We'll never have the house with the white picket fence and the three kids and the minivan. All because you didn't study enough for your freshman exam. <laughs> One thought. One thought, maybe things are tight financially and, and, and you've just lost your job. And that one thought gets you so worked up that no one can even reason with you. No one can even reason because you just lost your job. And what am I gonna do? Oh my gosh, I have kids and I got, we gotta pay for clothes and you know three of them are in braces and you know, they're in activities and schools and how am I gonna pay for their sport? They're not gonna be out of sports. Therefore, they're not gonna get a scholarship. They won't be the next LeBron James. Mm? How am I going to buy cars for them? How am I going to pay for gas? How am I going to pay my bills? And, and, and college is coming up. And will I ever retire? I'll never retire. And I'll never go on another vacation again. I'm done. All because of one small, negative, toxic thought. Am I the only one that can get crazy up here? I, maybe I'll preach it to myself. Maybe y'all got it all together, but pray for me. Am I the only one where... Uh, in my mind, it's so easy for it to run away, it just run away. We need to declare peace out. When these thoughts come, we need to declare peace out. I'm not staying here. I'm choosing peace. I'm choosing peace over worry, over anxiety, over stress. We have never in the history of our church had more people worrying, filled with anxiety and stressed out about life than we do right now. I'm so thankful for this prescription. I'm so thankful that we can go to this book and that we can find peace in our time of need. Let me tell you a few things the Bible didn't say. Jesus didn't say, hey, let your hearts be troubled. No, no, he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Let me tell you what the angels didn't say. Glory to God in the highest and stress and anxiety to all on earth. No, he said peace, (laughs) peace on earth. Let me tell you what Paul did not say. Be anxious about everything. When when life throws you a curveball, when things don't go right, just get anxious, get in a worry. And then definitely you gotta go on Facebook and just tell everybody how messed up your life is, how hurt you are how life is is turning out wrong for you. Definitely vent and don't tell it. Paul didn't say that. Right. Right. While in prison, he says this, Philippians 4, 6, we go back to our text. He says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation. So Paul's saying, hey, you're gonna have some situations. He's not denying that you're not gonna have circumstances and trials and hard moments in life and loss and... But in every situation, what do we do? By prayer, hmm. petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How do we experience this peace? I wanna know. How, How do you and I experience the peace of God? How many wanna know? Anybody out there, you wanna know? All right, let me tell you how. Three ways from Philippians 4, 6 that we can experience the peace of God. Watch this. Number one, we look up. We look up. Paul said, in every situation, by what? The first thing he says. First things matter in the scripture. First things matter with God. By prayer. By prayer. We look up. We we look up. In every situation, our first Response is looking up to our heavenly father. We pray first. Prayer is not our last resort, prayer is our first resort. We go to God first. We live that God first life. There's blessings when you live the God first life. So we're going to go to God first. The first thing we do when those anxious thoughts try to run our lives, we go to God first. We don't go to Facebook first. We don't go to our friends first. We don't go to our coworkers or our family. We go to God first. Are you going to God first? Are you going to everybody else but God? And then if they didn't give you any help, okay, I'll try God now. Switch it. Go to God first. We first take our cares and struggles to God. Why? Because 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, casting all your cares. And I love how the Amplified reads, all your anxieties, all your worries, and all your concerns once and for all. Yeah. Once and for all on him. Yeah. We, we, we cast it on him. For he cares about you with deepest affection and watcher, watches over you very carefully. I love that. Yeah. I love that. That word casting means releasing once and for all. I'm casting it out. Uh, I'm giving it to God once and for all. Hmm? He cares for you. In that commentary there, in that scripture, that those words, he cares for you, it gives the meaning of this. Watch this. Care is a burden which faith casts off the man onto his God. Think about that. I'm gonna say that again. Care is a burden which faith casts off the man onto his God. So it takes faith. It takes humility to give it to God. It takes no faith or humility to keep your cares, worries, and anxiety. But it takes faith to give it to God. You see, I've come to learn this, that pride is at the root of most of our anxiety and worry. Think about this, pride. Because to the human pride, it is humiliating to cast everything upon another and to have them care for you. But when we can release that pride, that human, when we can humble ourselves and we can say, I can't work it out. See, the reason we don't give it to God is because we're trying to work it out in the arm of the flesh. The reason we don't work it out is because we have become our own God at times. Trying to control our situations, trying to control life. And you are, you are not called to control everything in your life. Some things you are. Right. Some things you are, but not everything. And so, therefore, we hold on to it. We don't cast it. We don't give it to Him once and for all. We're saying, Man, I can work this out. I worked it out last time. Right. Let, let me get involved in this. Well, that, that's not humility. Right. That's not humility. And so, so we have to learn to give it to God. And you gotta believe that God cares for you. Do you believe that? He, he, he said, he, he cares for you. He watches over you carefully. If he's watching over you, he cares for you. The Old Testament parallel verse to uh, 1 Peter 5, 7 is Psalms 55, 22. And it says, cast your burden on the Lord or release it and he will sustain and uphold you. Uh, Once again, we see that word cast your burden to the Lord, release it, give it to him and refuse to take it back. Why? Because he can do more with it than you ever could. He can change the situation where you can't. He's working when you're sleeping. Come on now. He's working on your behalf. The Lord never sleeps nor slumbers, the Bible says. What's he doing? He's working things out on your behalf that you give to him, but you gotta give it to him. You gotta give it to him. You got to give it to him. You can't allow the thought to tur- go down the hill like that snowball and it becomes bigger and bigger. Give it to God at the top of the hill. Give it to God. Don't go down the hill. Give it to him first. So if we want to experience the peace of God, the first thing we have to do is we have to look up. The second thing we need to do if we're going to experience God's peace is we need to look around. Look around. We need to look around. So we look up to God, we look around to others. It says, we come to God by prayer first and then petition to others. Petition simply means a request. Yes, we give our prayer requests to God, but we also give them to others James 5, 16, in the message it reads, make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. I say it like this. We confess our sins to God for forgiveness, but we confess to others for healing. To others for healing. You need a few trusted people that you can bring a request to, a petition to, that you can trust that they're gonna pray come on now. They're not going to go gossip about your prayer request. They're actually going to pray and bombard heaven on your behalf. Around here, a lot of times we find those people in a small group, trusted people that we end up doing life with, people that we end up building that trust with, people that we discover have been through similar things that we've been through in our life. We find those relationships in small groups. We find them uh, with people we serve with on a team as well. And so it's so important because you and I need people in our lives. We were not meant to do life alone. You need people that know you and know you. People that N-O-U and people that K-N-O-W-U. No, that, that's, not the, no that's not you. No, no. You, sh- you shouldn't go to that party. No, you shouldn't go hang out. No, you shouldn't date him or her. And people that know you, they know the real you. Hmm. You need people that have good judgment, but won't judge you. You need people that tell you the truth, but in love. You need people that care about you as a person, not what you can do for them or they can do for you. You need godly advice, not just anybody. No, 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 not just, you need sound thinking. You need to see fruitful living in their life, like a proven track record. Like I trust them. I know that they're really gonna pray when they tell me they're gonna pray. They're gonna pray. They're not just saying it. You know, in the church, we say, I'm praying for you, brother. I'm praying for you, sister. Are we really? Are we really praying? A lot of times I don't think we are. We need people in our life that know the stuff between our toes. You know that area that, yeah, you don't even like? Come on. I'm giving an analogy, but you need people that know the stuff between your toes. I'm good all by myself, Jacob. How's that working? Really? And I'm not trying to be mean to you. Hear my heart. It's not working. Your life's a mess. You have no peace. You wake up, anxiety, stress, worry. You go to bed, anxiety, stress, worry. How's that work in being a lone ranger? We were never called to be alone. That's why I love the power of small groups. You need a group. You need a group of people that you can do life with and work through your issues. Remember, confess to each other for healing. If you want healing in your life, you need to get around some people that can help you along that. Hmm? Isolation has always been the devil's plan. Connection is always God's plan. Okay? And Hebrews 1:24 and 25 says this think of ways to encourage one another to outbursts of love and good deeds. I love that. What a time for us to think of ways to encourage one another with outbursts of love and good deeds. When's the last time you've done that for somebody? Huh? Oh, when we have stress, worry, and anxiety, we're not thinking of somebody. We're thinking of one person right here, the man in the mirror. But when we walk in the peace of God, that's when we're looking for others to bless. And he says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage and warn each other. Wow, warn each other. Especially Now that the day of his coming back is drawing near. Come on, I want you to put in the chat, especially now. Come on, right, right now, type it out. Pull your car over if you're watching this while you're driving. You shouldn't be watching it while you're driving, but type in there, especially now. Especially now. What is the writer saying? Hey, as you see the signs of the return of Jesus, as you see the signs in this book, as you see them being fulfilled, biblical prophecy, as you see the coming of the Lord drawing near, that, that's the sign that you really need to engage with community. You really need to get around some people that are on the same journey as you. You, you don't want to be a casualty, especially now. Especially now. Meet together. Encourage one another. Warn each other. Especially now. Oh, I can't emphasize this enough, church. If we ever needed each other, if we ever needed the church, if we ever needed fellowship and community, we need it now. The world has said, isolate, quarantine. God says, connect. You're better together. You're stronger when you connect. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10, two are better than one. If either of them falls, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. How sad is that last part of that scripture? Pity the person who, when they fall, hey, newsflash, you're gonna fall. Newsflash, I'm gonna fall at times. I'm gonna fall short, right? The Bible says it all fall short in sin, right? Fall short of the glory of God. But thank God where sin abounds, grace does much more. Come on now. But when I fall, I want to have some people say, come on, get back up. No, you're not staying. You are not not what they say. You are not the, the sin you just committed. That's not you. No, no. Come on, get back up. You're a man of God. You're a woman of God. Let's grow from this. Let me get you hooked up with this group. Let me get you hooked up in this class. Come on, come on, let's grow from this. Hmm? Am I talking to anybody today? God has people in your life to help you overcome anxiety, worry, and stress. People that will encourage you, believe in you, and see the best in you. If this doesn't describe your current friendships, then you need to say, peace out. Peace. Peace. I'm choosing peace over the worry, the anxiety, the stress that you cause in our friendship and our relationship. If they're not uplifting you, encouraging you when you're down, that's not a true friend. The Bible says a true friend sticks close like a brother, and a friend is born in adversity. I hope you're taking notes because I need to see your notes. Stuff's coming out that ain't on there. A true friend is born in adversity. A true friend doesn't leave when your life is a mess. A true friend doesn't leave when you're not thinking right. No, a true friend comes beside you and says, come on, you're better than this. Come on, let's go to the word. Come on, let's go to prayer. You're gonna come out of this. Because I need to let you know some of your stresses are caused by who you're with. Some of your anxiety is only because of who you hang with and who you choose to listen to who you're doing life with. So number one, we look up. Number two, we look around. And the last thing we do, if we're gonna experience God's peace, it's all found in Philippians 4, 6, we look ahead. We look ahead. We look ahead. It says with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. So we go to prayer, we bring our petitions. With thanksgiving, we seek God. Thanksgiving. Um, Grateful people always look ahead. Gratitude is the fuel that takes you into the future promises of God. Now, if you didn't hear anything, I'm here and hear this last couple minutes, because you have to make a choice to be grateful. Um, The secret to the abundant life that Jesus said he wants for all of us to live, the secret to that is gratefulness. Gratefulness. Have you ever noticed people that are grateful are always happy, encouraging, uplifting, looking forward, not looking back. Even though their circumstances don't show that, they're always looking to what God has in front of them. They're never defined by their current circumstance and their current struggles. They're always defined by the goodness and thankfulness that they have for their God and what he has done for them. They never look at what they don't have. They always look at what they do have. They don't complain about what so-and-so family drives and where they live and where their kids go to school, but they are thankful and grateful for all that God has blessed them with. And, and, and they're the type of people that can walk into an environment and boom, they shift the environment. Because they walk in peace. Thankful people walk in peace. They walk in peace. Some say gratitude is an emotion, but I say it can become a lifestyle. It can become a daily lifestyle. Two of the most powerful words you can ever teach your kids are thank you. Thank you. Hmm. Harvard Health did a study on people who are consistently grateful versus those who live ungrateful. Now, this is a non-Christian study, but they said this, and I quote, in positive psychology research, gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness and joy. Gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, relish in good experiences, improve their health, and deal with adversity and build stronger relationships, end of quote. Think about that. A non-Christian study (laughs) is pulling out what we find in this book, that when we find ourselves grateful, you know, gratefulness helps us refocus on what we have instead of what we don't have, okay? And so peace comes when I'm thankful. Peace comes when I, not when I complain, not when I grumble, not when I gossip, when I am grateful. Here are some ways you can be thankful. Thank God every day for saving you from your sins. The number one thing you can be grateful. Every single day, it should have been you and I on that cross, he took the penalty. He, he, He gave his life up for you and I. I mean, every day, thank him. Thank him for all that he's blessed you with. Begin to count your blessings and you'll be counting all day. (laughs) <laughs> write in a journal, journal why you're thankful every day. Write things about your life that you're thankful for. Write a card to somebody who's impacted your life. Tell them you're thankful. Tell somebody verbally, thank you. Tell your kids every day, I'm thankful for you. Every single day. So if we're gonna walk in the peace of God, we're gonna look up, we're gonna look around, and we're gonna look ahead. And look at Jesus's words here in John 14, 27. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. The words of Jesus right there. I'm giving you a gift right now. It's called peace of mind and heart. It's, It's not like the world gives. You can't find it there. You can't find it in your job. You can't find it in money. You can't find it anywhere else. You find it in me. As we close, I wanna say this to somebody watching today. You cannot have the peace of God until you first have peace with God. You cannot have the peace of God until you first have peace with God. Are you at peace with God? You're watching today and you say, no, I'm not. My heart's not right. I've never given my life to Jesus. We wanna lead you in a prayer, prayer of salvation. The Bible says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I invite you into my heart as my personal Lord and Savior. I believe you died upon that cross for my sins and I repent of those sins in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. You could take a screenshot, post it on your social media, and tag us. If you ever have the opportunity, we'd love for you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings. For more information on our locations and service times, please visit us at thefuelchurch.com. We hope this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey. See you next week.